0: And here we go! Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular. Yep.
1: Well, uh, the other one just took them out. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not gonna sing this time around.
0: Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect, with a pair of pies and a blowtorch, what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Uh, Don't be crazy, Justin. How's it going? Fabulous. No complaints. Today was kind of horrible, but I bounced back. (laughs) Oh. Everything was just going wrong, and that happens from time to time, but... At the end of the day, I have a smile on my face, so that's all that matters.
1: Oh, well, I like your smile. I'm like McDonald's. I love to see you smile. There you go. I have a lot of pictures of you just smiling, and I'm like, Justin's always laughing and laughing and laughing. <laughs> <Always>. <laughs> that's what I do. That's how I burn calories. I don't I
0: don't go to the gym. I don't maximize my pump. And so I have to I have to laugh. <laughs>
1: that's how you get a six-pack abs, baby. <laughs> just <Yeah>. laugh.
0: <laughs> Triple digits, baby. <laughs>
1: There you go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What about you? How are you? How are things? Um yeah, it's okay. It's uh what is it? March? I don't know, the days all kind of blend together. Uh but it yeah, it's th- March 16th. Oh, yeah, stone cold day, 316. But uh yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go see our friend Carly here in about a week. So that'll be really fun going over to Tennessee. So that'll be neat, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's not too shabby around these pots. Well, that's good. You're going to miss her on St. Patty's Day. She gets crazy. I know. It's her holiday, dude. That's like yeah. her favorite. But I might have...
0: It's like a, it's like a white Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> the a of
1: cocaine. And, there uh, you go. Uh, I might have a hash. little... Uh, oh, yeah. no, I ain't doing, doing no corned beef hash tomorrow. But I might have a green beer. We'll see what happens. But no. I don't know.
0: I do the veggie patty hash.
1: I just do the hash minus the corned beef. <laughs> so just <Right>. potatoes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds all right.
1: Lots of Cholula on those, though. So then I can be like, oh, my God, my mouth is on fire. But Yeah, we like the the heat, the Guatemalan head, mm-hmm. as it were. So what have you been watching? Oh, man, I watched uh, some really awesome movies actually recently. So I, I did watch Three Amigos. I had not seen that in a long time, and I thought it was so funny. Uh, Steve Martin is my favorite in that out of all three of them. I watch Justice League in preparation of is it this Friday, I guess, when it comes out or is it Thursday? 18th. It's a Thursday. Wow. Yeah. So I'm excited. Uh, I've purposely not watched any trailers, nor have I listened to any reviews or watch any YouTube stuff on the Zack Snyder cut because I want to go into it with a blank slate. So I'm excited (laughs) and honestly, the Justice League movie wasn't that bad. There were moments when I was like, oh, God, this is awful. But it wasn't horrible. So I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Um, I watched uh, Pieces of a Woman with Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf, Uh, man. It's a really intense movie, and I don't think I can recommend it to anybody without really knowing them. It's about um, a, a couple, a mother who loses her child to, to SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, and it's very, very heavy to watch, but Vanessa Kirby is incredible in it, and she is nominated for an Oscar for her performance, very well, deservedly so. Uh, so that was really good. It stuck with me. And then I watched uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. That is a Charlie Kaufman film on Netflix. Uh, Very heavy, very cryptic film. But once I watched a YouTube video on it, it really kind of aligned what I was thinking about it. And I truly enjoyed it. Um, I've heard mixed reviews. Uh, One of the podcasts I listened to said it was very pretentious. And I don't think that that was very fair to say because that's, uh, you know, questioning this artist's work, which Charlie Kaufman has always been this way, where he has been incredibly ambiguous on purpose, you know, with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind Mind, and Synecdoche, New York, films like that. So I really enjoyed this film and I've been talking to friends about it. But uh, yeah, I watched those four things. And then a lot of The Office. I always watch The Office. My goodness. Yeah, I know. But uh, but what about you, you little busy bee? (laughs) You know, the only
0: real... uh... Charlie Kaufman movie I think I like is Being John Malkovich. That's an incredible movie. I think that movie is so just weird and absurd <laughs> that I'm just like, "All right, whatever."
1: Well, I fucking well, love well, right. I love that movie. And then when John Malkovich actually catches on and he like sits in the line to try to become himself. <laughs> it's it's so good. I like that movie a lot.
0: Yeah. Uh, as far as what have I been watching? I've been watching a lot of Terminator. I watched Terminator 2 on Saturday. Love it. So great. Watched Terminator Three on Monday, and then I watched Terminator Salvation today. My goodness, yeah, they get so I don't really. I mean, the first one's fine, you know, it's great, it's Terminator, whatever, set the set the set the stage. But Terminator Two is probably one of the greatest action movies of all time, mm-hmm. and then Terminator Three, like I, I kind of like it, but. I don't know it loses me somewhere in the middle there but it comes back with a really strong ending and uh, Terminator Salvation I just I don't like that movie man I I, don't want to No, I want to but I just don't I don't get it man like it's 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 in the future I want to see a bunch of Terminators and I get all
1: that stuff I just don't like it I don't know why it's weird. It but, just, Justin, it has Common in it, and it has Bryce it Dallas does. Howard. Well, how do you not no, like it? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Just They're bothers. amazing.
1: Oh, man. It bothers me. <laughs> I really like that movie. That's funny, because I actually enjoyed Terminator Salvation. Yeah. Just like I, I Christian Bale. Paper, it
0: looks great. I love all the people that are in it. Yeah. I just, when
1: I'm watching it, I'm just like, fuck, this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking amateur, man. You're fucking yeah. amateur. <laughs> I
0: don't know, man. It just... And uh, Sam Worthington, he was in a lot of stuff for a very short
1: period of time, and a lot of them were flops, other than Avatar. Really, what else was he in that was really a hit?
0: Terminator Salvation.
1: But I mean, that wasn't. Was that even really a hit? Because I thought that that one kind of oh, flopped too. So. Yeah, it's garbage. Yeah. So I, mean,
0: I remember seeing it at the theater. I remember. I, th- I feel like. Gosh, I want to say that I saw a trailer for Terminator Salvation when I saw Batman The Dark
1: Knight. You did, because I remember I saw The Dark Knight in theaters, and I was just like, holy fucking shit. I was so excited that Christian Bale was playing John Connor, because I was like, wait, Bruce Wayne is John Connor? Oh, my God. So it was uh, pretty awesome. You're like, this is happening. I was like, how much weight did he gain or lose? (laughs) Because that's what Christian Bale does.
0: Right. So he was in Clash of the Titans as well around that same time
1: period. Sam Worthington? Yeah. Yeah. He was Perseus, and then he was in Wrath of the Titans, and then and he which was is in... also not good. <laughs> no, no, that one is not good at all. He was in some movie about like skyscrapers where he had long hair. I don't remember what that was called. Whoa, <laughs> I don't know what it was called.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I liked him in Manhunt. Did you watch that where he played um, Jim Fitzgerald, the the guy that's trying to track down the Unabomber?
1: No, I didn't see that one. Uh, that was pretty good. Mm,
0: but eh. <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean he's got like five other avatar movies coming out eventually so <laughs> yeah. yeah i bet sometime <laughs> between now and our death we'll have avatar five well, it's like when dutch says he's getting to tahiti so right. <laughs> we'll see what happens <laughs> <laughs> yeah who knows anyway uh and then i played more dark souls because i just can't get enough of that game i beat it again, <laughs> uh, and again and again and again i beat it three times last week and then i beat it yesterday oh, with a new time which is awesome but now i'm down to one sitting do it in like four and a half hours well just over four and a half hours and my new record is now four hours and like 42 minutes so
1: i'm getting there do you just skip certain things that you know are uh, trivial moments in the game
0: yeah i do now I, the, my first playthrough i did 100 playthrough i did i went everywhere and killed everything and then right. now and that was like 55 hours but that was my first playthrough and then second playthrough i skipping 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 like 11 and a half hours and then six, and then five, and then four, and four, some, four, like 4.58 is what it ended up being. Four, hour, four hours and 58 minutes, and then I beat that yesterday at four hours and 42 minutes. Damn. So I'm getting better. Obviously, speedrunners can do it in like 30 minutes, but they're like doing wall hacks and and skipping areas and fun, fun little exploits, which is fine and awesome. I mean, I could never do it but I'm just trying to play it
1: regular. Yeah, I've never understood why that was a cool thing. Like, you know, the YouTube videos that are like, yeah, speed run, do this. I didn't ever think that that was cool, that you could cheat the game and then make it to, you know, like an Ocarina of Time. You, you make it to, to Ganon and you're like, okay, well, that was fun, I guess. But I, I don't i don't understand the appeal to it.
0: I don't right. know. I, I think it's cool that they can find these glitches, but... I, it's not something that i want to do <laughs> right i play a game I'm, I'm to enjoy that it out there yeah mm-hmm. exactly so anyway so, yeah cool yeah are you ready to talk about this week's movie i think so All right we're gonna be doing aaron brockovich from the year 2000 directed by steven Soderbergh, who you might know from oceans 11 12 or 13 logan lucky traffic Magic Mike, of all things. <laughs> um, so there you have it. You know, I saw traffic in the theater and I got so sick. I went with two girls and I had to get up and then I was walking towards the bathroom and then I just threw up all over the place in the, in the garbage <laughs> can. I made it to the garbage can. And I was like, "Jesus Christ, that was awful." I don't even know what happened to me. I was thinking it was like food poisoning or something. And then I go back to my to where I thought was my seat, but it was not it and it was so dark and I couldn't find my seat. So then and this happened like 10 minutes in the movie. So then I just sit on the steps at the back of the theater and watch the rest of it cuz it was a full house and I couldn't find my seat. And and the movie's like 15 goddamn hours long. So then they get up when it's over and they're like, where were you? I'm like, oh, man, I couldn't find you guys again. So I just sat in the back. It was a terrible
1: experience. Oh, my God. That's gross. That sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. What can you do? It's still funny, I'll ne- though. I'll never forget it. <laughs> oh, Sorry if you're laughing, but I, I think it's funny. You no, know, it's fine. I mean,
0: I, I I think it's funny, too. I don't even know where I, what happened. I just It was like a black chic moment where everybody falls down the hill and he's like, what the hell was that all about? Like I literally ran to the garbage can, threw up, and then I was fine. So I have no idea what happened. You it fall in some, some mud? Strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, there's that. Jesus. The uh, the film, Aaron Brockovich said is, was written by Susanna Grant. It stars Julia Roberts, Albert Finney, Aaron Eckhart, Cherry Jones, and Marge Helgenberger. <laughs> she must be the
1: Yarrow. <laughs> you can buy a house from her you see (laughs) yeah that's quite the skyrim name helgenberger yeah she 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 played um i think what's was her name diane the the first gal
0: jack and diane
1: there you go the first gal that aaron approached you know the blonde lady who had like uh breast cancer and all that kind of stuff yeah super sad but yeah she played her so okay
0: Sounds good. Mm -hmm. I'm on board. I'm buying your brand. As far as critical reception goes, on the old Rotten Tomato meter there, you're sitting at a whopping 84%. Critics enjoyed this movie. It's one for the ages. Mr. Jack Matthews from New York Daily News says, in the title role, Julia Roberts carries the film in the best sense by taking us on a human journey of genuine discovery and growth. How about that? All right. Tony Black from Cultural Conversation says, A relaxed but powerful American star vehicle. There you go. All right. Richard Propes from TheIndependentCritic.com says, The script is well written with a simplicity that makes it easy to understand despite the challenging topic. Which is interesting because that's something that we said works well with Soderbergh and Fincher and uh, Sorkin. The dialogue in their movies... It's always like heavy subject matter, but it's always presented in a way that is understandable for the audience, which I can appreciate. I always feel like a a heightened sense of of awareness, and I feel like I have my thinking cap on, but in a good way. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah, that's Steven Uh, Soda Bread. He's really good. (laughs) Yeah. Then I had to struggle to find a negative review. But it comes from Joe Lazito from bigpicturebigsound.com dot com, and the title of his review is "A Big Mouth Strikes Again." Jesus, so he's, he's kind of a asshole, kind of a hateful guy. <laughs> so I have decided right now not to even read the words that he took the time to write.
1: Yeah, what the fuck? How dare him say that about Julia Roberts? She's a gem. She's incredible. What? What? Mm. What a, a butthead!
0: Yeah, so there you go, Joe. Thanks a lot, Joe. (laughs) No one likes you, Joe. Bring bring it down. This is, we are celebrating Women's History Month, and just uh, try to take it down a peck or two, and we're not going to let you.
1: Yeah. So there. They're called (laughs) called boobs, Joe. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like car ramrod, Joe. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, let's see here. The budget was $52 million. Opening weekend, it did $28 million, and that was on March 19th of the year 2000. In the United States, the film grossed $125 million, whereas worldwide brought in a whopping $256 million. It's a lot of cheddar.
1: It's a lot of cheese. I dig it. Mm-hmm. So, real quick, the real Aaron hyphen ellis claimed that the film was 98 to 99% accurate. So that's really interesting because uh, biopics, they are not as accurate as you would think. They're usually like 50, maybe 40 percent. But this one was pretty goddamn accurate. So that's cool. For her performance in this film, Julia Roberts became the first actress to simultaneously win the Best Actress Award at the Academy Awards, the Screen Actor Guild Awards, the BAFTA Awards and the Critics' Choice. Oh, sorry. The Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globe Awards. So she swept it. She crushed it, knocked it out of the park. I don't think that there is any denying that. So good for her. And then finally, the other piece of trivia, not a lot of great trivia in this, by the way, but uh, Albert Finney initially turned down the film. Danny DeVito had to convince Finney's girlfriend to convince the actor to change his mind offering to schedule all of the actor's scenes as Ed Masary, uh closer together so he wouldn't have to be in L.A. as long as earlier scheduled. So that's fascinating because Albert Finney was actually nominated for Best Supporting Actor in this role. I don't know if he won, but uh, yeah, that's it, it's interesting to see how reluctant he was and then it turns out to be a very high-profile role for him. So pretty cool. So, um, Are you ready for a synopsis? Yes please because I know you didn't watch it. I know you just read <laughs> the the Wikipedia on it.
0: No, I watched it. I was eating chips and salsa while I was Ooh. while I was watching it and then I had to turn the sound bar because my crunching was too loud. I couldn't hear
1: a goddamn thing. <laughs> I do love chips and salsa. I eat them every day. So let's go. As, let's, as uh, I was
0: eating them, Zach, I was, or as I was pouring the salsa, I was doing the bright and shiny. But to chips and salsa. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is so stupid. I'm just entertaining myself in the kitchen. And Alex is looking at me like I'm a crazy person. I mean, I feel like that's an everyday occurrence, though, right? Sure, that is true. <laughs> As she's, plotting, she's plotting her gone, her gone Girl scheme to kill you, too. So. <laughs> I did
0: notice some soft ground out in the backyard. It's kind of muddy. I'm like, oh, man, this woman's going to bury me back here.
1: She's like, Justin, can you run to Target real quick? And then <laughs> <laughs> we're going to set something up. But yeah, she's going to be Gone Girl. So anyways, in 1999, Aaron Brockovich is an unemployed single mother of three children, three count them, who has recently been injured in a traffic accident with a doctor and is suing him. Her lawyer, Ed Mazery, expects to win, but Aaron's confrontational courtroom behavior under cross-examination loses her the case, and Ed will not return her phone calls afterwards. One day, he arrives at work to find her in the office, apparently working. She says that he told her things would work out and they did not, and that she needed a job. She asks Ed for a job, which he reluctantly gives her. Aaron is given files for a real estate case where the Pacific Gas and Electric Company, PG&E, is offering to purchase the home of Donna Jensen, a resident of Hinckley, California. Aaron is surprised to see medical records in the file and visits Donna, who explains that she she had simply kept all her PG&E correspondence together. Donna appreciates PG&E's help. She has had several tumors and her husband has Hodgkin's lymphoma, but PG&E has always supplied a doctor at their own expense. Aaron asks why they would do that, and Donna replies, because of the chromium. Aaron begins digging into the case and finds evidence that the groundwater in Hinkley is seriously contaminated with carcinogenic hexavalent chromium, while PG&E has been telling Hinkley residents that they use a safer form of chromium. After several days away from the office investigating, she finds her possessions missing from her desk. She is then informed by Brenda, Mr. Maisery's uh, secretary, that she has been fired for missing a week of work. Despite protesting, wait, despite protesting that she's been out conducting research, Aaron nevertheless leaves defeated. Later, Ed visits Aaron because he needs the documents she found while investigating, and she takes the chance to request her job back in return. Rehired, she continues her research and over time visits many Hinkley residents and wins their trust. They hold a barbecue in order to speak to the many of the residents and explain to them what pg e has been trying to get away with, at which point Aaron is awkwardly flirted with by one of the men. Aaron and Ed find numerous medical problems in Hinkley and that virtually everyone has been treated by pg es doctors who've led them to believe their issues are unrelated to the uh, quote unquote safe chromium. The Jensen's claim for compensation ultimately becomes a major class action lawsuit. Unfortunately, Ed explains that all direct evidence is linked solely to PG&E Hinkley rather than PG&E corporate. Until headquarters can be implicated, PG&E corporate can deny any knowledge of what's happening in Hinkley. Knowing that PG&E could slow any settlement for years through delays in appeals, Ed decides to pursue binding arbitration uh, rather than a trial by jury. But PG&E will only agree to arbitration if 90% of all plaintiffs agree. During a town hall meeting with the Hinckley residents, Ed goes over the, the plan with everyone feeling unsure. At one point, Aaron spots the man who flirted with her at the at the BBQ. She brushes off the man's looks as Ed struggles to explain the virtue of arbitration versus a 10 to 15 year battle in court. Eventually, everyone in attendance agrees. Over the next several days, Ed and Aaron then persuade all 634 plaintiffs to go along. One night, Aaron stops at a bar to see one of the residents when she unexpectedly bumps into the man she's been s- seen at the last two Hinkley events. After some uncomfortable conversation, the man reveals himself to be named Charles Embry, a former PG&E employee who, quote unquote, destroyed documents. Aaron realizes Charles has been trying to communicate with her and is finally able to listen to his story. Charles tells Aaron he and his cousin were both employees of the PG&E Hinckley. Heartbroken, he tells her his cousin has just passed away, dying a painful death from the poison he interacted with at PG&E. He goes on to explain that PG&E tasked him with destroying documents, but as it turns out, he wasn't a very good employee. Embry gives Aaron the documents, including a 1966 memo proving corporate headquarters knew the water was contaminated with hexavalent chromium and advised PG&E Hinckley to keep this secret. The judge orders pg e to pay a settlement amount of $330 million to be distributed among the plaintiffs, $5 million, which goes directly to the Jensen's. Aaron brings her boyfriend with her when she tells them about it, and he is happy when he understands what it was all for. In the aftermath, Ed hands Aaron her bonus payment for the case, but warns her he has changed the amount. She begins complaining loudly that she deserves more respect. I need more respect, huh? But is astonished to find that he has increased it to... 2 million dollars and that's Aaron Brockovich. So Very uh nice. yeah synopsis left off a lot of stuff a lot of stuff though. So yeah George her boyfriend and uh he he was he was the nanny of the kids basically that was a big part of the story so interesting thanks wikipedia but yeah um Justin when did you first see Aaron Brockovich and what did you think? Uh I saw Aaron Brockovich in
0: 2000 in the theater. I don't believe it was March 19th it might have been a week later. I was uh, on spring break and uh, partying (laughs) at the Aaron Brockovich motion picture
1: show. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a good spring break to me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I was in college, you know, at the ripe age of 20. And, uh, yeah, checking out out the old Aaron Brockovich there. And uh, it was good.
1: Did you like it then? Yeah,
0: I enjoyed it. I thought it was
1: good. Mm.
0: I... I knew nothing of the events that had transpired, so it was all new information to me. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. It kind of in my neck of the woods, too, you know, out in the desert. But we actually have, where I grew up, it was Southern California Edison. It was not PG&E. hmm But uh, that was, that is just a little bit more north of where I was, so. Well, I guess more northwest, but. Uh, yeah, same desert though, <laughs> the Mojave,
1: <laughs> Mojave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, I
0: enjoyed it. I remember watching. I was I was engaged the whole time, which is hard for me as a young twenty year old Justin. But I enjoyed it. I dug it. I, I kind of like Albert Finney. He's he's an interesting character. He's his mouth is almost always open. He's got a <laughs> he has a weird way of just standing there. <laughs> Bit of a mouth breather that one. So. Yeah. Uh, I tend to just kind of stare into the void of his mouth as I watch
1: him on screen. He's in uh, one of my favorite movies, Big Fish. He plays the he plays the dad. So I really enjoy him a lot. I think he passed away a couple of years ago, but Mm. uh, but yeah, really good actor. And he was fantastic in this role. But I mean, Julia Roberts obviously was the shining star of the role. And this movie, it's funny, just like uh, a league of their own. This movie reminds me of my mom. We watched this movie together, too. And it was just kind of like one of those movies that, you know, she she loved Julia Roberts and it was it was a mom movie. It was about powerful women. So I think I I saw it around like, yeah, 2000 also kind of when it came out on VHS, of course. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, so Justin, like a few questions I have to ask, nine to be precise, but uh, have you ever been in a situation in which you needed to hire an attorney kind of like Ed Mazury? Um, if you did how did that work out for you and did you kind of see any similar truths from this movie about how the legal system works or how maybe attorneys work
0: Uh, i have never had to hire an attorney no i uh i did go through a divorce but i did not have an attorney for it but i was required to attend like this little class like because i didn't have representation i had to have a There was a Washington law, I guess, where you have to have some sort of fundamental understanding of what the process is. So I had to attend this class, I guess. But that was it. So no, I've never needed an attorney. And so uh, I'm good there. (laughs) I (laughs) got sued once. Or I was threatened to be sued. Sue Uh, me,
1: sue me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And uh, I had to settle. It was a, a, a photo was used without permission on a website, Ooh. and it was a candid photo, and it was on multiple, multiple outlets, and uh, these people called patent trolls came after us, oh, and it's basically just a way yeah. to extort money from folks, Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, it ended up costing me like, I don't know, like $1,500 or something like that, but Jeez. I have the rights to the photo now, so that's cool. <laughs> Well, I mean that's a positive. Always looking at that right? going for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was for it was from the um, like what is it that Mr. Banks movie with uh, Tom Hanks?
1: I forget what it's Oh, called. Saving Mr. Banks.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah,
1: yeah, where he plays Walt Disney.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not even like a good photo or anything like that, and so
1: <laughs> whatever patent trolls. But, yeah, um... it's
0: was, it was a photo of Emma Thompson, and it's it's like she's got like a handbag and. Just candid i shouldn't even know the photo was being taken but the the nice human being that took the the photo um he wanted money for it
1: oh boy should have bought him a binions and a <laughs> yeah. and a sandwich or something like that yeah
0: oh my god it was so it was ridiculous i remember just being on a conference call about the whole thing i'm like are you serious i have like 18 dollars in my bank account so if they want the 18 dollars then go for it I'm gonna need the four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They thought they were getting a big fish, and I'm like, nah, dude, I got look at $18. If you, you want it, you can have it. Check this shit out. And any of the ads that are like any of my clickbaits that I had on the, on the article page, mm-hmm. uh, they are more than welcome to any of the revenue that we generated from that article, which happened to be like seven dollars and thirty cents. So I'm like, so there you go. We're at twenty-five dollars now,
1: USD you can have this (laughs) hope you take venmo yeah yeah i I, so i had a dui back in fuck i mean like 2000 and what year is it 2021 now so like 2016 15 or something like that anyways it was a while back um but i did have to hire an attorney right away and that was a real reality check because of how much money you had to pay right out right out of the bat and um I'm lucky that I had money in savings because I just uh, I'm thinking about the entire time how much the retainer is, how much this this costs. And in the grand scheme, when you look at everything, you're just kind of like, man, I paid so much money for the case to just get prolonged and then them to eventually be like, all right, it's just a reckless driving. So I'd be like five grand out of my pocket for that shit. And so it sucks because I get her situation where, you know, we omnipresent as viewers are watching her drive away. She's going through a green light and a doctor runs a red light, clearly his fault, and she loses her case. So that that upset me. Um, And it sucks because I don't see how she lost her case. I feel like Ed maybe didn't give it the effort he needed to. Fortunately, with my lawyer that I hired, he was really cool, actually. So I guess you could say he was worth the money, but I mean, he, he did care about getting me the best, I guess, result at the end of it. But, um, it's a, uh, it's hard, man. Um, I don't like courtroom stuff. I've never been in a courtroom setting like that where I've had to sit on you know the bench or testify or anything, but I've definitely had just, you know, just the municipal court stuff. So, um, that was one of the one of the things that I always I, I look at whenever I watch courtroom dramas. I'm like, hey, I've kind of been there a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, it's intense. I know. But um, Justin, so you we were talking about this earlier, too. This movie, it does take place in California. Yeah. C.A., right? The Golden Bear State. And it uses a kind of specific filter to portray that in the film. I don't know if you, you really noticed that or not, but. I've been to California and I know it doesn't look anything like that with the whole amber hue and the kind of looks like Juarez, Mexico kind of look. I don't get it because shows like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, even uh, dude. um, Oh, my God. Sicario uses the same kind of filter. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Why, why did they do that? Did it did it enhance the story for you? Or was it kind of just this annoying look? Because you grew up around the desert area, right? <laughs> in the desert, yeah. Yeah. Fury Road.
0: <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> I had to go to AMPM PM to get my gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're
1: not your property.
0: But what I, it's funny you say that because she's out in the desert quite a bit and there are weird colors that happen when dust kicks up and there's smog and, and just the clouds. Uh, The sun does play some interesting tricks out in the desert. And sometimes it does feel like you're in some kind of weird sci-fi world, especially like post rain. It's always this really weird darkness that exists, but it's still light outside. It's hard to explain, but it's a, it's a weird phenomenon that exists in the desert. And I don't know, Maybe maybe that's just impossible to capture on film, and he maybe one day Soderbergh uh, saw it and was like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna recreate that with a cool filter," and it just kind of gives like this weird, like uh, California has like this weird magical presence about it to where, like a, in, in the vein of like uh, a postcard, like a 1970s or 60s postcard, you know that weird filter that you can do on Instagram where it just kind of looks vintage, even though it's not. You just took the photo take eight seconds ago. And I think that California just kind of has that vibe, like a like a Lords of Dogtown, Santa Monica here kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so maybe that's just on a subconscious level, it's relatable to people that have never been to California before.
1: I mean, I know that like a lot of like, you know, there's always a, the Reddit memes about Mexico on on Netflix, and it shows that amber hue, and then it's like Mexico in real life, and it just looks like a normal, you know, right. it's, it's a country basically. But um, it's I always find it fascinating, and even on, in Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, I know that's New Mexico, but you have the same kind of hues. And it adds to the elements. So maybe that's what they're trying to get at is it's like, if you haven't been to the desert, if you haven't been to these areas, it's not necessarily how it looks, but it's maybe how the the perception is, how you kind of feel when you're in that isolated, you know, 500 person town sort of thing. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I think so. And I mean, it could just be some sort of weird artistic choice, but in this, for the sense of, of you mentioned Sicario, which mm-hmm. we all know is my favorite movie. Uh, <laughs>
1: It's amazing, but yeah, (laughs) I,
0: I think that that has a lot to do with just a tonal shift in what's going on in the scene. You know, it has multiple filters that it uses and it, and it sets the tone for what to expect as you're watching it. I think like it gives Mm -hmm. you this uneasy feeling and I think that sometimes it exists in and it's always when something's about to go down. There's a real weird uh, hue shift that exists with this, with these filters (laughs) when they're in the office, it's fine. When they're just kind of uh, chatting outside their car, it's fine. But whenever there's an action sequence, that's when it happens. And you're yeah. oh, shit, this is it's about to go down. This is going to happen. Uh, it might just be that generation of filmmaker, to be honest with you, too. Because Michael Mann does that shit all the time, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Michael Maybe, is, they, learned is a it. Maybe they all were
0: that. in the same film school and they all had the same teacher that's like, dude, you guys want to... You guys want to moisten that cake? Add some filters <laughs> to your shit.
1: Yeah, Scorsese does it. See, <laughs> so even though he doesn't, but <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, so yeah, I don't know. I, I like Steven Soderbergh, but uh, or Steven Soderbread as I call him, but yeah. he didn't do it in like any of the Oceans movies. So I just I, I find it fascinating that he's doing it in this film. But I, I know that Vegas is different, you know, because it's it's a lot of bright lights and glitz and glamour and
0: stuff. Right. So I know that like Ocean, Osh- I feel like specifically Oceans Thirteen definitely did weird color things uh, mm. like sometimes it would be all blue or it would be all green or it'd be all red it was really weird and it would just be like them out like chatting outside of a restaurant or a ship club or something and there would be really weird colors happening but it'd be one solid color it would never be like a a full-blown mixture color rainbow type thing mm. it would always be one solid uh color but Okay, and I only noticed that because it was driving me crazy. I'm like, "What is all the
1: fucking
0: colors? <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Stanley Kubrick? God damn yeah. it! <laughs> so, man. Cool
1: your jets, guy." <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, you know, like so the, the the plot of this film is basically about. Aaron Brockovich, Julia Roberts. She she starts researching this mundane real estate paperwork uh, about Hinkley, California and she stumbles upon these PG&E documents which eventually lead to the the lawsuit, the, the the plot of the film. Justin, have you ever kind of stumbled upon or discovered something seemingly trivial at the time only to find out maybe it was much uh, it was a much bigger deal than you originally thought?
0: Gosh, I don't know. I remember going to my boss's house for the weekend, and he was dead when I got there, and I liked to party. What? You know, I listen, I listen shit. To the, I listened to the stereo and watched TV at the same time, because I liked to party, and <laughs> I wasn't ready to go, so I just pretended he was still alive until I found out who really killed him.
1: Holy shit.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's this weekend at Bernie's, but...
1: I know, I was like... <laughs> I was like, "Is this real?" I don't, know. No, I don't want to underplay no, it because I was like, "This no. sounds like Weekend of Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. No,
0: I. I am so thick. I am. I am like Crab and Goyle had a baby, and that's how dumb I am. Bloody. Hell. I. I wouldn't even know if I stumbled across something. I'd be like, "Good
1: one, goal. Good one, Goyle.
0: I know. I unfortunately, I have not been an accidental detective and come across some incriminating evidence whilst perusing through junk mail or documents of any kind. I do. I remember one time I did like a little piece of detective work in my neighborhood. I saw this, uh, this guy had his car up on this, on these jacks and the right front of his car was severely damaged. Like he just hit something. I was like, "Oh man, that sucks." And then I go around the next corner, and then I see the street sign that's completely flattened and destroyed. It. Shit! <laughs> and it was like a tire track going over like the the island in between the the two streets. Jesus! So I'm like, man, I bet that dude hit that sign because <laughs> it was like right by his house. I bet he was coming home drunk or something and just hit that sign. So, I mean, that's that's it. I don't even. I, I have no evidence to support it, but. It was pretty coincidental and
1: convenient.
0: (laughs) But that that is the extent of my
1: Sherlockness. Yeah. Well, I, I did loss prevention for a good 10 years. And so I have, I'm sure I have better, well, not much better stories than this. But I do know that I remember I was working at Albertsons, which is a grocery chain up here. And we... Uh, my buddy and I were, we working some cases where, you know, we'd go to various stores cause we covered probably like 12 stores, stores each and inventory control told us what hot items were being stolen and whatnot. And so one of the things that we'd, we'd focus on was baby formula. Cause it was like $35 a canister and we'd go to certain stores and they'd be missing, you know, 15 of them. So we'd review video and sure as shit, we would find theft. Um, it seemed kind of like one of those things that baby formula wasn't really a hot ticket item yet. We just stumbled upon it. It ended up, you know, long story short, my buddy Matt and I worked, like. a, worked on it for, yeah, worked, on, picked up the dagger, ran into the kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> stabbed the cook. Um, so it ended up being my buddy and I, Matt, we investigated it. It took us, uh, shit, I mean, probably like six or seven months, but it was probably it it boiled down to this one lady who was hiring these drug addicts to go steal for her. And then she would go turn and sell them to like the Philippines where or in Vietnam and stuff where she could sell it for three times what it was worth. So she's getting like a hundred dollars a canister. Uh, She took about $400,000 worth of baby formula. It was absolutely incredible how much theft there was but we were working with multiple police departments and it was something so interesting because it started out with this one small thing where we're like, who the fuck steals baby formula, right? You know, babies can't walk. They can't even talk. So, um, I thought that was really neat where it was very much an Aaron Brockovich moment for us. And, uh, you know, I told the police officers I'm like they're called boobs guys as I wore my crop top, but yeah, yeah they didn't want to see that. So, <laughs> in these (laughs) guys yeah but it was uh, it was it was great i mean it was it was it was a really cool thing to be able to have that type of you know mundane paperwork that that turned into something a lot bigger but yeah but uh speaking of work justin i know that you have a really awesome job and you can wear whatever the hell you want but uh, i think far too often people care about what you wear to work and maybe that's like a uh, an archaic way to look at things. But, you know, long gone are those days of wearing a three piece suit or a very long dress to work. Have you ever had an issue with your work outfit? Uh, how about your appearance in general? Like, was your hair too long? Was your beard too long? Because I know you're a hairy Armo. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually the least hairy Armenian on the planet. But, um,
0: you know, this is weird because I, I'm kind of in the minority here. Especially in my family, but I am kind of old-fashioned when it comes to appearance. And I, when I get up, I, I shower, I shave, I get dressed for the day to where I am presentable. I could go to the office, I could go to church, I could go to a gas station, but I feel like I just like the clothes make man maketh man kind of thing. <laughs> and so I am very much like Ward Cleaver. And you know, I cut my hair every two weeks. You know, my 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 facial hair is never too long. I never have any weird like porcupine pieces sticking out or off the side or anything like that. So, I am all about like personal care and grooming and everything. So, uh, for me, yeah, I can wear whatever I want to the office. And I I don't – sometimes I have like a casual Friday, but that's wearing like a – a baseball jersey or something like that you know every friday i wear it as my tradition is to wear a jersey on fridays so wear a I'm hawaiian being... shirt for hawaiian shirt day
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly
0: exactly um so that's where i'm at but it's funny because the jersey thing is really starting to to pick up because now everyone at work is ordering jerseys and we have like our own bandai namco jersey now and so and even like the CEO is wearing my eight-year-old jersey, and he's from Seattle. Um the CEO is from Seattle, so he's like, Oh, oh my cool. god, I love that jersey. And i Yeah, it's like, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I would have given it to him, but I'm a 2X <laughs> and he's like uh, maybe a medium on his best day <laughs> a- after a Thanksgiving meal. He might be a medium. And so
1: a deuce, deuce and a half.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> really a deuce. And so uh, yeah, me, you know, I'm 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 always dressed to impress kind of thing like this is who i am so when we were watching it on tv alex was like kind of getting mad like yeah just get the fuck out of here man like this this is what i wear this is what i dress talking to the tv yeah and uh and i'm like i'm not sure i agree with you 100% i'm like like, "This this is a professional environment and you know we can't be having can't be having Miss Boob shirt all over the place, <laughs> and uh, it was really funny because you know in the office, as you said, you watch that all the time. When Angela calls Pam Miss Boob shirt, and she <laughs> only has the very, very, very top choking button undone, and everything else is buttoned up. Uh, it's totally how I am. I'm just like I'm like eh, I'm a little bit more conservative in the sense of clothing, but uh, obviously, I would never judge another human being. You can wear whatever you want, but I me mean, personally. I, it's never been an issue. I'm, I'm more of a just for the job that you want versus the job that you have kind of attitude. And, um, you know, you mentioned long hair and like, fuck, dude, I literally have to cut my hair every two weeks. My hair grows so fast and I hate, <laughs> if it's like more than two inches long, then I cut it. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I can't stand it. And so I know that my my son, if I have one, is going to have like a total Hanson haircut and it's going to drive me insane. And I'm just going to. I'm not going to tell him that I hate it, but internally I'm going to be like, oh my God, I hate your head. You got to, you got to shave that shit. you know, cut it while he sleeps. <laughs> yeah. No, can't do that. I, I would, uh, I would
1: see red and he would not be happy with his haircut. Yeah. I am. Um, I went through some phases. I, I remember when I was 16 going on 18, uh i definitely had longer hair it was super shaggy i have some fun pictures that i posted like on social media about it but uh i remember i was a rebel because i was working at albertson's and i i went in with my shirt untucked and i know that you were always supposed to tuck in your polo when you were there and uh, i had a couple bosses who kind of gave me some flack but then other ones just didn't really care um so i thought that was my rebellious stage but then as i kind of went on you know, I. I remember working at Best Buy after that for a hot minute and my shirt was super big. I felt like MC Hammer, but up top. Uh, Fresh (laughs) new kicks and dance. I'm like that and I know you want to dance. Yes, exactly that. Uh, I was too legit to quit. And then when I I got older too, I mean, working at Fred Meyer, it was just kind of wear whatever you want because we were catching shoplifters. But then when I got to QFC, it was like a a button up and and, and slacks. You know, you always have to look presentable. But I think uh, one of the times I was working at Albertsons, I had a boss who I can't grow facial hair to save my life. I, I don't know what it is. It 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 grows to a certain point and then it just stops. I could I could not shave for a year and it would look the exact same. But I had a boss who told me to <laughs> you shave. Know
0: I have a hormone <laughs> disorder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a boss who he told me to shave and he was just like, Oh, it looks unkempt. And I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? It looks like I threw Rogaine on my face and it barely worked. So um that was kind of annoying too, but I know that like at my, at my job now, I remember when I was going into office, I would always dress up and people like, Oh, you don't have to, you don't have to do that much. Like you can wear a jean, jeans and polo or like a polo or something. But for me, I really do like looking spiffy because I enjoy wearing a good suit. I enjoy wearing a nice, you know, J crew banana Republic shirt or whatever. And, um, I feel good about it. I've never really experienced it like that. And I can't even begin to, um, uh, I can't begin to uh, empathize with how maybe a female has, has been looked at in a workplace. Um, I don't think I've had that conversation with anybody in retail where I'm like, oh, you need to go home cause your shirt is too low or anything like that. So, but I, I feel like I've heard stories of that kind sure. of shit happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I
0: sent a team member home once at Target that was wearing sweatpants. <laughs> That's cool. I was, I, I, was, I was the lead on duty. I come around the corner and I spot this fucker like all, you know how big my store was and like, yeah. it was literally I was coming out of the back room and he's all the way down in the toy aisle. So, I mean, it was it was a good 20,000 steps it felt like. And I'm just like, is that, is that son of a bitch wearing sweatpants? And I walk up, I get closer and closer and I'm like, oh my God. So, I just started having the conversation in my head like, how how is this moron going to possibly say that this is a good idea? And I get there and I'm like, dude, what what are you doing? And he's like, he's like, oh, it's laundry day. And I, I didn't have a clean pair of pants. I'm like, when was the last time you worked? And he's like, and this is like, I, so my LED shift is always Thursday. He's like, Monday. I'm like, you mean to tell me it's been three days that you could have washed your pants and you didn't? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, all right, you got to go, dude. He's like, well, I'm, he's like, well, don't you guys need me? I'm like, I do, but not like that. So get out of here. Yeah yeah i was i was so mad i was like come on you're better than that
1: <laughs> yeah it's a it's it, i don't know it's a it's a touchy subject to to approach for sure but sure. Uh, i mean, but sweatpants yeah that is you're right yeah there is a there is a, a line that you can cross and that's a little ridiculous sure. <laughs> this was, i mean if it was you know eighth grade pe and
0: <laughs> it it would be fine but this is my steward. This isn't fucking Ross.
1: This is well this is Target, man. And that always bugged me at, at Target when sure, they're hourly associates, but I've also been an hourly associate. But when they come in and you're supposed to wear a red shirt, but you would get so many people that would come in and go, Oh, can I have a red vest? Because I don't have a red shirt to wear today. Yeah, and I I hate I'm like, that you can't go buy a $3 red shirt from our clearance rack that we have, or you don't have like three red shirts you can just wear. That to me seemed like the laziest thing in the world. And so I I couldn't believe that we allowed that shit that, oh yeah, we'll give you a red vest even though you have a purple t-shirt underneath. It just was, it was completely ridiculous. (laughs) I know. I I hated the vest too. I would just go buy
0: him uh, a red shirt. I would never let him wear the vest.
1: Yeah, fucking. I mean, we earlier. had we had
0: stacks and stacks of Target gift cards, so I was just like, yeah, here, just buying your red shirt.
1: I would pretty woman them, and I would take them to like the nice blooming Bloomingdales yeah. or something like that. you yeah. <laughs> need a whole makeover. I need this fucker looking red, man. Commie red. Let's go, with commie red. There you go. So, Justin, this movie, it, you know, it reminded me of The Pursuit of Happiness and The Blind Side, movies like that. And with films like those, do they uh, do they need to have a happy ending? I know that both of those films and this movie ended on a happy note. How would you feel if the ending was negative?
0: <laughs> They're like, sorry, you're not getting any money. Sorry. <laughs> no jobs. Meat, nice Christmas meat. Um, I would, I would be, I would be irritated. I mean, because you know, I didn't know anything that happened. This was all news to me. I, I got that this whole PG&E story as I was watching Aaron Brockovich. So I had no idea what to expect. But if if it was just a judge decides, yeah, PG&E is not at fault, and uh, go about your your day, then I would feel like I wasted two hours of my time. Right. So. I feel like it's one of those things where it would definitely benefit from a happy ending. Sure, it's a true story. So you got to like La Bamba would have been great if Richie Valens didn't get on that plane and I die know, on its way to Fargo. But they can't change that. The only people that do that are Tarantino and and that's in the alt-history movies. <laughs> so, So, I mean, sometimes it works, but I mean, you have to realize what you're getting yourself into. And in this case, it was taking itself more seriously. So. Yes, I would have been. I would have been irritated. And I, while it's not required, if it's a if it's a truth telling story, then, or at least based on a true story, then I do think that it needs to have whatever ending it's supposed to have. And I just I would appreciate it more if it were a happy ending.
1: Turn this piece of shit around right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's that from? Uh, fucking uh, Once Upon a Time. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Fucking and then he drinks his drink. Oh my fucking god, hippies. I love it. Goddamn fucking.
1: Hippies. <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's so funny.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that... And Have you seen The Pursuit of Happiness and The Blind Side? Uh, Pursuit of Happiness? That's one with
0: Will Smith and his son, and he's, yeah. uh, in, a, he's in a non-paid internship position or whatever? Yes. yes, yes. I've seen that. I saw it at the inter- and then mm-hmm. I saw... Uh, I did see Blindside as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I, I really enjoy those endings because they're you know they're happy and they they end in that way. And I mean I, I was listening to the the Gone Girl podcast uh, earlier today, and I remember you saying that you're you're a happy ending kind of guy, and and that's what you need. And I was thinking about that too is the same. I'm the same sentiment. This movie, we're so invested into Aaron and her story for two hours that if they were to be like, Oh, well, Hey, guess what? Uh, the judge in arbitration, he ruled in the favor of PG and I'd have been like, God fucking damn it. What did we just watch? Then, <laughs> So, and, and like, and I understand like, you know, her story of, of working essentially in a world where she, she had no business being in to start on paper, but then totally was just a boss bitch and, and worked her way up like it's a great story but you had to end it this way you had to end it with her getting the money with all the um the plaintiffs of Hinkley winning and i think that that was really important for the story so i'm glad that i mean and th- they probably looking at this when when um oh gosh who wrote, Susanna uh Susanna Grant when she wrote this i'm sure she the reason they wanted to do this movie was because of that because it was it was a happy ending, right? So right. yeah. Otherwise it would have been a bummer. But yeah,
0: PG and E's in a lot of trouble, man, because you know that fire, they are responsible for that too. In Which one? California, the one in Northern California. And oh, there's man. a lot of deaths and they're probably gonna go bankrupt. <laughs> well good. They fucking yeah. should, man. There, there's not too many corporations that file that actually plead guilty to something like that. And they did, yeah. It's pretty nuts. Jeez, they're uh, that's horrible. They're running out of uh, the
1: funds. <laughs> I'm okay with it, but yeah. So, um, did you think that Ed Masry? Do you think he ever had an emotional investment for this case? He just kind of seemed like he was going along with it because it seemed like a big whale, and he was he was Ahab, you know, um, or was he kind of just about the money the entire time?
0: Yeah, I, I don't think because. It was, uh, it was one of those things where it was just kind of fell into his lap and he was ready to retire. He was he had already made plans to to be living in Palm Springs and enjoy retired life. And he didn't want to work too hard. And this was going to be a, a strenuous case that was that he could not do alone to the point where he had to take on a partner. But of course, they had to do all the work beforehand. And he didn't even do that work. The movie was presented to where Aaron Brockovich is doing all the work. And. I, I never thought once that he was invested in the people. Uh, it, I, not once did I ever feel like he was invested in his clients. It wasn't until they had the, that public forum where he was talking to them and explaining the arbitration. Right. That he was uh, kind of had a human moment where he was trying to explain it. Uh, but even then, he still came off as kind of cold and no real
1: bedside manner. Right. Absolutely. and I mean, he, you know, I guess emotional in the sense of like he's dedicated two years of his life to this case and a lot of his own money. But I agree with you. I think it was more a means to an end. He wasn't like, I care about, you know, Donna Jensen and I know her phone number by heart and her kids. Right. He was just like, when are we getting paid sort of thing? (laughs) Like, when can we figure this out?
0: Yeah, and I mean and he has every right to be cynical and he's been working his entire life and he's started from nothing and made himself out of something. So I mean, he he doesn't owe anybody anything, but it is it is definitely two very different sides of the equation when you see how hard Aaron is working versus what she's getting out of it to towards um towards Ed's character. And um it's it's kind of tricky because you feel like She's doing all the work. (laughs) So, yeah. And it's like, ask anyone and they'll tell you that they have the hardest job in the company. Everyone thinks that they work harder than everyone else. And so (laughs) we, we don't see what, what Ed does for the whole movie. We only see what Aaron does. Right. Uh, We don't know that he's up all night reading papers and, and highlighting things and, and, preparing for his day so he can do everything i mean he was so worked overworked that he wasn't even returning people's phone calls he didn't know that he was getting the calls Mm -hmm. so he's just a disorganized human being and he's overworked and he's stressed but but the movie doesn't really do a good job of presenting that it's just more of uh she's the only one that cares that was the perception that i got
1: well, I think there's jobs like that, like, I mean, I don't want to speak up for I don't want to compare lawyers to doctors or anything like that. But you know how doctors have to dis- disassociate themselves from their patients, because once you start putting emotion into it, it's 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 hard and, and we're humans and I'm sure it's very hard for them to shut that off. But, you know, those kind of people or therapists or or police officers, anything like that where you've had to deal with a stressful situation where you're you're just like, holy fucking shit. And you want your emotional investment, but you you, you can't do it. It's, uh, it, it's tough. And I'm sure he had moments like that, but on the film, it was in the film. It wasn't portrayed like that. I don't know how it was in real life, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think his was more, you know, let's get this shit figured out. Let's get some money. So I can get my 40% and I go, can go live on an Island somewhere. But even though he didn't right. live on an Island, and,
0: and, and the whole thing is he gets nothing if they lose. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a pretty big gamble for him to put, all that time and energy into it and they didn't have the smoking gun until conveniently the end of the movie yeah (laughs) i
1: know right deus ex machina like i say but (laughs) that's how they do Oh hey, random guy who's been in the movie for like since <laughs> since an hour in and uh you have yeah. all the documents? Oh, cool, okay. <laughs> and he's got this creepy kidnapper <laughs> <I know>. vibe. <laughs> I've been watching you. I've <laughs> been watching you and your curly hair. I was like, oh, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's in he's Bob in
0: Batman, the eighty nine Batman. That's right, yeah, he is. And he's in Man. Conan the
1: Destroyer. Yeah. He's the fool. I like that guy. But uh, um, so one, one thing about George, Mr. Uh, Two-Face, Harvey Dent, he was the babysitter. He was the love interest of Aaron Brockovich at the time, but he decided that he needed to leave her because she wasn't being supportive of him and he felt like a glorified babysitter. Do you think that that was very fair of him? Do you think he was being selfish by leaving or do you think he should have stayed by Aaron's side while she was working for the family?
0: Well, it's hard to say, but I, I can understand how he would feel like he was just a babysitter at times. Uh, she she would just go off and disappear for hours. Her, her work felt that, the home life felt that. It's hard to understand because she wasn't really giving them anything to go off of. She was having all these incredible relationships with all these people in the, in the town of Hinkley, but she wasn't really uh, able to articulate what she was doing So I can understand why he would feel frustrated. She was very wrapped up in her work. And, you know, there's this interesting line in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles that Dale Griffith tells Neil Page. You know, John Candy says, I have a motto, like your work, love your wife. And I think that that can really hit home to a lot of people if you are one of those workaholics that just forgets that you have other responsibilities in your life. And whether that be kids or a loved one or even even an animal, you know everyone needs you, and they need a piece of you. And you have to be willing to to divide that up, because she was so overworked and so invested in these people that she wasn't even able to to be around for her kid's first words. Right. Right. She was missing milestones in this child's life, and at the beginning of the movie, she's holding it. She's holding her little girl everywhere she goes. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's a separation that exists. And so I think that that's very relatable. And of course you have to be a mother, but you also have to work. So, I mean, it's a lose, lose situation. Yeah. There's no way it could ever work out, but I think that he, they could have had a convert. The conversation that he had with her when he left is a conversation that was long overdue. Yeah. And I feel like he should have had that uh, voice his concern sooner Rather than later, but I totally get what he's saying. That part when he says, "I bought these at the mall six months ago." Waiting for next time that you said something nice, I was going to surprise you. <laughs> and six mm-hmm. months goes by, yeah. which means she's taking a lot of what he does for granted. And it's hard to be a stay-at-home mom, or in his case, a dad, and and watch these kids. He can work when he wants. He was very he was fiscally responsible to where he didn't have to work anymore because he, you know, saved all of his money. So, I mean, he was doing her a huge favor. He fell in love with these kids. He was watching after them, and mm-hmm. he got nothing in return. So, yeah. when you ask me, is he being selfish? I don't think so. I think that he should have maybe had the conversation sooner. But at the end of the day, I think uh, they were both better and stronger for it. At, you know, At the end of the film, she takes him on the journey to Hinkley to see the rewarding experience that these people are crying because they're they're getting the relief that they need and i feel excuse me i feel like even i would cry if i saw someone crying because they knew it was going to be okay you know that's, that's a very powerful thing so i think
1: uh at the end of the day no he was not being selfish I agree completely. And I mean, it's such a heartbreaking moment at the end because, well, I mean, tears of joy, you know, because the elation that Donna feels that they get $5 million and it's just, it's not even necessarily about the money. It's just like we, we get vindication for this and we get justice and you set out to, you accomplish what you set out to do, Aaron. And I think, you know, she says, I want, I, I brought you along to see what you helped accomplish and i think that that is so powerful but he was absolutely right and i he he wasn't portrayed as an asshole in this film he never was like woman where's my dinner or anything like that like a misogynistic man right you know he was he was taking care of the kids he he really loved those children um i mean he even showed up after they broke up and he watched the kids while she was doing the door-to-door signature thing and so Um, I think that he definitely did care for her. So there's nothing wrong in a situation like that where he's doing what he needs to. And I think Soderbergh did a really good job of portraying what his his desires were when they were at the barbecue and he sees all the the guys on the the Harleys, you know, the nobody's listening to Nobody's listening (laughs) to And you could see that he was like, man, I miss that shit so much. But he gave that up because he fell in love and it's it's just so hard because when you're doing something but it's not reciprocated i i get what he's trying to say so yes i agree with you i don't think he was being selfish at all so he he, he sacrificed a lot for her just like she was sacrificing a lot for her kids it's a tough situation all right. around so um so this is obviously a courtroom legal eagle kind of film what are some of your favorites uh courtroom dramas i should say oh man well
0: my cousin vinny is probably my favorite court Room movie of all time. <laughs> but that's not a drama. It's a comedy. Uh, but I would say my cousin Vinny, a few good men, probably JFK. Uh, I even enjoy a time to kill sometimes if I'm in the right mood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, they deserve to die and hope they burn in hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is kind of fun, but Kevin Spacey kind of ruined movies for me. And yeah, so I yeah. can't really get into it anymore. But I remember as as like a, I think I saw one I, I saw it when I was like eighteen or so, and I just remember thinking how weird it was. Like the town of Savannah, Georgia, just seemed like such a, a weird and intriguing place, that I just wanted to go so bad.
1: A murder because of that, Savannah. Savannah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know, right? So, and I like John Cusack. I had a, I had a crush on him, so I was yeah. I was watching everything that he was in. But um, Michael Clayton, that's another good. Yeah, um, yeah. Lawyer movie. It's not really a courtroom movie, but it's a it's lawyer. Like a lawyer. Yeah. 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 Very
1: John Grisham-esque.
0: So. Yeah. I dig that one a lot. And, um,
1: but that's, that's probably it. Yeah. Did I say a few good men? I like that one. Yeah. For, yeah. You said that. I like My Cousin Vinny. Uh, Legally Blonde is really funny and it's actually pretty awesome in, in terms of how they- kind of work around the <laughs> the discovery process and all that. You
0: look like the 4th of July.
1: <laughs> I know. Makes me want a hot dog real so, bad. So good. Um, a Time to Kill. I actually really like A Time to Kill. I think it's great with the closing arguments. Uh, 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men is not necessarily about the courtroom per se. It is about the jurors room. And it's one of the most perfect films that I've seen like ever. Uh, both the the original and the remake were fantastic. And then a uh, marriage story. I know that it, it's it, it's a real heavy movie about divorce, but it's about love found in a unconventional love story way. Um, but just how how ruthless divorce court could be. It makes me never want to be married, but also always want to be married. <laughs> right. It's um it, it's very, very well done. And Laura Dern is phenomenal as as one of the attorneys. So I think that that was those are some of the ones that stuck out for me for sure. Time. but yeah um, and then finally Justin so like one of the most impressive and comedic moments I think in Aaron Brockovich was when Aaron recited all of those clients details to Teresa the lady with with two legs and bad fucking shoes <laughs> I thought I thought it was awesome it was funny and so when she was explaining it to Teresa and Kurt but uh, have you ever had a moment when you were kind of the cock of the walk, the bee's knees of a certain situation where you had all your ducks in a row and you knew every answer for any question thrown your way? Um, How did you feel after that?
0: Yeah, I'd say a couple times. But the one that stands out the most is when I had to do, you mentioned being uh, in assets protection and I had to do this evaluation. I was basically being performance managed out of my position and our business partner made me do this uh ap evaluation and i nailed it man i got like a whopping 100 <laughs> i knew everything i had an answer for everything and uh, i could speak to everything i i was literally just walking the walk and being the best that i could possibly be and i knew that it made him so goddamn mad and and the thing is when when the store manager asked how it went I was like, "Oh, great. I was like I nailed it, crushed it." And I and he's like, "Oh, that's awesome." He gave me a high five and then a, like 3 days later I'm in I get called into the office and and the APBP is on the speaker phone and he's like, "Hey, so I just had an interesting conversation with the regional man or the district manager and she says that you said you crushed this evaluation." I'm like, "I did." I, I blew it away, blew it out the. You, I, I gave you an answer for everything. I gave you the right answer for everything. I'm like, as far as I can tell, I got I aced it 100%. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, the reason why you had that evaluation is because you're not doing a good job. Oh, I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do this over the phone with you. I'm like, if you want to come in here and, and yell at me, then fine. But this is absurd to me. Sitting here on the in a chair while you're uh, driving in your car, and it's going to be a really awkward conversation. And our my store manager has to hear it. This is just ridiculous. So I want you? why don't we just hang up and you come down here whenever you're ready and you can yell at me then.
1: Yeah, it was so ridiculous. Fuck that guy. I, I, I know exactly you're talking about. And he was an awful I don't even want to call him a leader, but he was an awful person in his position. So, yeah, I uh, I'm sorry that that happened, man.
0: Oh, it's fine. Is I, it is no, what it
1: is. It's shitty though. It really is. It's really shitty. But I'm glad that you pretty much crushed that because then it gave no wiggle room for him to be like, well, but um, actually, um, just but, yeah. but um. I know
0: it was so stupid. Like they were reaching so hard. Like, I they, know. like if, a, if alcohol wasn't had one of those security toppers yeah. on it, I got written up. And I'm like, dude, I could go yeah. to any Target right now, and exactly. there's a, you could, I could probably give you 500 bottles that don't have yeah. toppers on them.
1: Yeah. But just talk me for one? You were wearing sweatpants, Justin. That's why you need yeah. to stop wearing sweatpants to work. <laughs> oh man, they were reaching so goddamn hard. I'm like, you guys are killing me. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think that was that's that's such a, an annoying thing because I had the same thing with my boss too. He wasn't as strict as as yours, um, but he was definitely like a, oh, why isn't this taken care of. I'm like, what are you talking about? This wasn't even an issue. You told me you're coming to my store. You said do a, B and C. And then now we're going to come over here and you're going to try to find X, Y, and Z, which has nothing to do with our, um, our data that we've pulled from like our, our metrics, or it has nothing to do with what you've told me to prepare for. So don't try to pull this bullshit on me. Don't tell me we have a, a quiz on, you know, 19th century history, and then you pull out an English test or something (laughs) like fuck off. So yeah, it was, it was very ass backwards, but, um, I'm glad that you were able to pretty much, uh, Oh, answer yeah, those it was, questions
0: it was awesome dude and then he tried like grabbing people like just uh team members that were walking by he would ask like spot ask them some kind of pop popular mm-hmm. question and they knew the answer which is a direct reflection on my leadership and Absolutely. how i educated them yeah and i could just feel him just going like <laughs> rat, you know like oh shit i'm gonna get on this next one And it was just so awesome. And I'm just fucking high fiving everybody as we're done. I'm like, all right. Awesome
1: job. (laughs) What's the capital of Cuba? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My (laughs) Gitmo. For mine, it was it was a lot of like uh, the Black Friday stuff. So that was my favorite thing to do Black Friday at Target. And I mean, even before that, too, because I had the retail experience and I am a a schedule planner in the sense of uh, events like that. So whenever Black Friday would come around, even my store director was like, what do you want me to do for this? I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And it was, it went off without a hitch. Uh, I remember when, when, you know, my APBP came in and he's like, oh, what's going on with this? I'm like, this is taken care of, this is taken care of. And I had like no theft. Well, I'm sure I had some theft, but you know, we, we deterred all this stuff and it, it was so great. So like for me, I had an answer for everything during Black Friday. Uh, Same thing with that baby formula case I spoke to earlier. Uh, when I was working for REI, I had a Fitbit case where there were these gals that were stealing uh, Fitbits throughout uh, Washington, Oregon, and California, and I worked at this big on this big case, like hundred thousand dollar, two hundred thousand dollar case in Oregon. And I remember I presented to the Salem police department and there was all these other retailers there. They were asking questions left and right. And I had answers to everything. I knew who every, every bit player was. I knew time of day they'd come in and I was really on point, but things like that. Um, and then finally like one at QFC, which was a liquor slash meat theft. I know that sounds weird, but like people would steal steaks and stuff cause they were so expensive. But uh, this guy, his name was gas can Mike. He, he was a homeless guy and his name was Gas Can Mike. But uh, I I pulled all the video from the various stores he went to. I I compiled all the intel. I sent it off to our OR, ORC investigator and then it turned into this very, very big case that uh, the Burien Police Department worked on and they ended up pinpointing it on this fence, which was a couple of Mexican restaurants. And uh, they like, you know, it was this huge case where this guy was stealing liquor and whatnot. But I mean, I was the catalyst for it and I had all the answers. So it's a, it's a cool feeling, man. When you, when you kind of know those things, when you, when you give the phone number to the person who's like, I have a law degree, you're like, well, I'm just a a beautiful woman with nice boobies. That's, that's how I felt. I felt like I was flaunting my boobies everywhere. So I got like a B cup. I have about a B cup, I think. (laughs) Oh
0: man, you gotta get more soy in
1: your (laughs) diet. but uh yeah it uh I, I feel you my friend and uh i think you are a very smart person i think you retain things very well it's it blows me away because i'm always like oh yeah a the quote that was like this and then you're like no no no, it's actually like this <laughs> yeah i'm uh I'm not so I'm not so bright on that, but uh, I have I have my moments. I I'd, yeah. I'd be like Lilo Peebo, Lou
0: Ross Teddy Pendergrass Teddy mm-hmm. P number, number six. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> the other part Woo! I know is number six. <laughs> <laughs> Women do be shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Women be shopping. You can't stop a woman from shopping. <laughs> I do not know that man. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man, we said that. I mean, we probably say it every week on Geek Legacy. But I know, I'm pretty sure David said it last week and i just fucking just started i lost it i'm just
1: like oh my god i do not know that man It's so funny but uh yeah so um i don't know man so final thoughts in letter grade what do you think about aaron brokovich yeah it's pretty good it's a good movie to go totally i agree oh we didn't say how it is um i so i bought it because it's just one of those movies that i it's nostalgic for me and i i felt like i needed to own it but um how did you watch it did you watch it on my google yeah, I, I'm mooched. That's fine. Yeah, so, I don't it, uh, I don't own their movies, so I yeah, logged into your account. That's fine. And when it, when it is streaming, I implore everyone to watch it. I mean, it's been 21 years since it came out, which is crazy to say. But I love the Julia Roberts there. I mean, I loved her in Mystic Pizza, Pretty Woman, My Best Friend's Wedding. I mean, she's just fantastic. All the Ocean's movies, absolutely love Julia Roberts. So this was a no-brainer for me. But uh, that's why I wanted to purchase said movie film. But uh, yeah, so what's what? Would you say the letter grade was for you? I didn't.
0: Oh, sorry, I couldn't come up with one. Um, probably a B plus. Okay, that's a good. That's a passing score. That's a good score. It's a that's a good score. It's kind of kind of score you could tap your foot to. And I, I mean, I don't know what would make it even any better, but I just, I don't know. It. You mentioned that sort of Disney vibe the other day, like with movies. Yeah. And I feel like this movie was 100% yes. just too feel-goody yes. as opposed to uh, her getting knocked down a couple of times and having to get back up in a weird way. I don't know. I, I just feel like I I don't know what they could have done differently, but I just know that there wasn't one moment where I ever felt like there was any harm ever coming to any of these people. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like... Even when she got a harassing phone call, I was like, "Oh, okay, whatever, guy." <laughs> that was calling her. He was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, "There's a monkey on your porch, and you better, you better do something about it, or I'm gonna call the authorities." Like, it wasn't even like yeah. that threatening. I'm like, "Okay, guy, you, better, you could have yeah. told me something." <laughs> yeah, like, like you remember in Scream when he's like, "Cause I want to know who I'm looking
1: at." Like, yeah, yeah.
0: That made your skin crawl. Oh Whereas, God. Yeah, this was like, all right, whatever, dude. <laughs> Is your fridge running?
1: Well, you better catch it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, I don't know, I get it. Like, come on, you're, you're better than that. You're creative. Yeah. So I, I never really felt any kind of danger. Uh, I I thought she was extremely rude to her coworkers,
1: dude. I know. Yeah. She's like, I'm, ta- I ain't talking to you, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it <that> was funny. <laughs> it's like, whoa, calm down. I thought it was funny, but yeah, you're right. And like, when I don't think. So it's very interesting that he brought her, Ed brought her along to these, you know, where they sat down with the other lawyers and she just got to talk. I'm like, okay, I don't think that they would just let her talk at this kind of arbitration. I'm sure she knows a lot, but she's not just going to get out there and say whatever. And Ed's going to be like, oh, yep, that's her without a law degree and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I get it. It's those feel good moments. But yeah, I agree with you. It, It felt very artificial at times. Yeah, but it is. It's also a B plus for me. Um, I absolutely love this film, but it's one of those ones that it takes me away from it a little bit with how perfect it things kind of worked out for her. So uh, but Julia Roberts was phenomenal in it. I think it's it's probably her best role uh, more so than Pretty Woman. I I, I think she's fantastic in this role. And I I was captivated by her performance the entire time. So. But yeah, B, B plus for me. Yeah, captivated I I've been seeing that word a lot lately captivated and I'm trying to think
0: of a time where I felt captivated <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know I feel like Lord of the Rings is probably the only thing that's really like super mecha captivated me to where I really wanted to be a part of Middle Earth to where yeah. it was just like such a magical place but performances you uh, you know we were talking about WandaVision the other day and, and how uh, she, uh, Elizabeth Olsen is captivating and I'm just like, I don't know if I've ever used that to describe another human being before. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been captivated by movies, but not necessarily performances. Oh, I've definitely so been to,
1: captivated I, by performances. I had to think about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm my, sure I
0: have, just none, none really came to mind where I was like, I mean, oh man, that's, I was, I was captivated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Francis Francis McDormand, pretty much everything she does, I'm I'm captivated. Where I I can't be texting. I have to watch what she's gonna say because I'm just like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? Uh Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen, honestly, like WandaVision was an okay show for me. I I didn't like the first three episodes. I liked the next three episodes, but then the final couple, I was like, eh. And so I wasn't blown away by it, but she did she did a really good job. But I mean, I was not there were times that I'm like, eh, I don't know. So it's it just, right. yeah. But with Julia Roberts in this movie, I I was watching the entire time, and I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen. How is she doing this? So yeah.
0: So I, I may, mean, you know what though? I guess I use a different word. I always say engaged. It must be a retail thing. Well, <laughs> yeah. I always Eng- feel I, so it means the same thing, but I feel like captivate is a, is a and a higher level of engagement. Yes, absolutely. To where I am mesmerized, almost to where I am literally. I cannot take my eyes off the screen. And so when I say engaged, I, I that means the same thing to me to where, you know, I'm not texting on my phone. I'm not I'm not eating food. Whereas the other day, what were we watching where I was like, I was like, I, want, I, I had a drink, but I couldn't even drink my drink. It might have even been like uh, Gone Girl or something. But we were yeah. watching yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And I was so into it that. I, I didn't want to get a drink. I didn't want to drink my drink because I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And so that might have been, I don't know if it was Gone Girl or if it was something else, but it's probably gone. That, Girl. That's where I, that to me was like full blown engagement. Like what the fuck is going yeah, on? I agree. So I guess it was just a misnomer.
1: Perhaps I am captivated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of good performances, man. So it's my favorite, but uh, yeah is that it is that is that the show or are we done i think so cool beans out. i will take us home so thank you for listening to the don't be crazy podcast exclamation mark remember to follow us on twitter at db at edgy because he's got some long hair and he cuts it every two weeks at zach dale 60 where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode we have two more episodes for Women's History Month. I believe we're going to try to do uh, atomic, blo- uh, uh, atomic Bombshell for the next one. But we got one more that we could do. So that'd be great. Let us know. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. Uh, they're doing Star Trek TNG. Uh, if you know what that means, then you should listen to it. As well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. You know, something's going on with his podcast, though, because I can't listen to it on Apple Podcasts for some reason. It's having an issue. But uh, there was a good episode recently about the Bethesda Xbox Game Pass merger, which was really good. So, yeah, check it out. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you so much. Sorry.
1: (laughs) You're fine.